we are gathered tonight because so many of us have the regretful ability to see through so much of the fluff that this season produces. There's a lot of it. And we can see right through the lights, the decorations, the the traditions, and all of the surface level stuff of the Christmas season. And really see a lot of the secular uh, Christmas season for what it is. Just a mere dressing up of the cold, dead New Jersey winter that we're going through. After all, that's all that Jingle Bells and Rudolph can do at the end of the day. But the losses that we experience and the and the, the pain that we have gone through doesn't just allow us to see through empty traditions. It allows us to see that which is of most importance in our lives. To see the things that do matter. It brings to focus the things that, you know, we, that we do have in our lives that, uh, that is meaningful and appreciate them more. You know, in times of plenty, we can forget that. We can miss in times of plenty the things that are most important to us. And in times of need, we need more than stuff and empty tradition to bring us hope and comfort in a season like this. Which is why I believe that you're all gathered in a church tonight of all times and seasons. Look, I am confident that there are some other Christmas event going on tonight somewhere in this county or a nearby one. There's all kinds of Christmas events going on, but you guys are here in church tonight. Why is that? Well, it's, I think it's because we all here have tasted and seen that the Lord is good that his steadfast love does indeed endure forever. And when we are forced to evaluate what really matters in life, what is truly of most importance, as we sung this last Sunday, when we survey the wondrous cross and all that that means and all that Jesus is to us, we see something of real deep substance, something of real great power, that the rest of this season cannot offer us. The rest of the hollow secular Christmas doesn't offer us an anchor for our souls in the most troubling of times. And I'm mostly convinced that this next quote is true. And it's that trials don't change who you are. They only reveal who you are. Trials don't change who you are. They reveal who you are. When Jesus talked about the the house that was, the two houses, one that was built on the rock and one that was built on the sand in Matthew 7, that proverbial storm didn't change the foundation. The rock and the sand were still there at the end of the parable. But whether or not the house was still there was dependent on what it was founded on. It only re- that storm only revealed what the house was standing on, is my point. The home that was built on Christ was able to withstand that storm. 
The one without him was not able. And when you face the the deepest, darkest valleys of life, you become perhaps painfully aware of what actually is holding you up and how good of a job it's doing. Sometimes we're surprised. The things that we thought would hold us up didn't. The people we thought would hold us up didn't. But those of us whose lives are founded on the rock of Christ, founded on what God has done for us, founded on the gospel, would be surprised by how sturdy we can endure even some of the worst of trials. You know, I remember a, a number of years ago, I was, I was in the hospital for something that ended up, it ended up turning out benign in my particular case. I was fortunate, but, but I didn't know it at the time. And I just remember sitting in a hospital bed 10, 15-ish years ago, and it was the first time I really was faced with the possibility, you know what, I might die here. Because I didn't know what I was up against. And upon, for the first time in my life, actually being face-to-face with that question, I w- nobody was more shocked than I was to realize I'd be okay with that. I could, I could be okay with that in, in my heart of hearts. You know, I was in no hurry to go. God still had plans for me, thank God. But I knew that if that wasn't the case for me, I had total peace with where I was going. And that wasn't because my faith is so great or that I have such great faith unto myself. It just revealed how strong the foundation was beneath me, that I was resting on the right things. And now looking back, after so many years, I can look back on that moment, and in a way I'm grateful for it, because it revealed the things that are most important to me in that moment, the things as I was lying on that hospital bed that showed what was truly important to me, I wouldn't trade for the world. Those are the things I hold to deeply now. And we're grateful for moments like that when we do realize what our lives are founded on. Because, look, many people gather in places of worship like this one all over the globe. And and they sing songs that say, Christ is enough for me. All I have is Christ. Take this world and give me Jesus. All these great grandeur expressions of faith. But... Many do not sing it with conviction, I've noticed. And I think it's because most people have not evaluated those claims on a first-hand level. We can't say with conviction that Christ is enough and Christ is all I have when we have all these other things that we hold to with equal strength. But most of us, those of us who have been through the valley of the shadow of death, who have tasted that, who've brushed with that, who have felt that pain too deeply. Well, we can, those songs and songs like that, those hymns mean everything to us. And every time they come up in church or or the radio or wherever it is that we hear them, we sing them with conviction. Because we've seen that nothing else will last without him. But with him, we always have more than we need. Even in our darkest hours. 
even in that valley of the shadow of death. Because of what Jesus has done for us, Arthur Brisbane was was able to say with confidence, no longer must mourners weep nor call departed children dead, for death is transformed into sleep and every grave becomes a bed. That's the power of the gospel. That's the power of what upholds you and I tonight. And that is what I see when I look at the manger this Christmas season. That's the hope that I see when I truly contemplate the power of what Christmas truly is about. More than anything else, I see that hope. The hope for my soul of knowing where I am going to be someday. And I receive hope of remembering that death is not the end for us as Christians. It's just the beginning. Recalling to mind the last verse of the famous uh, hymn, Amazing Grace. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we have no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. What so many people can see as the end, we see as the turning point, where everything gets better. That's what I see when I look on a manger this season. I see the love of God put on display and magnified. And just considering who am I that Christ would leave his throne in heaven to come down to earth to give me this, to give me this hope, that he would love you and I that much to offer all of this to us. Not even so that he would live a comfortable and peaceful life, but one born not into a great palace, but a stable, a manger. Not one born into great prominence, but one that would be cut off for the sins of his own people, to die on the cross in my place. Honestly, I can't even see them apart anymore. When, When I see the manger, I see the cross. They're just so linked in my mind because that's why he came. The reason for the manger is the cross. Because he came not to take away my sufferings or your sufferings. Not to take away my heartache. Not to take away my loss necessarily. But to, he came to experience deeper suffering than you or I. Our Savior experienced deeper heartache than you and I, deeper loss than you and I could experience to offer us greater gain than anything else in all of existence, all of human history could offer us. We find in the cross and experience that hope and comfort. So simply put, when we read Isaiah chapter 53 just a, just a few minutes ago, we're reminded that, yes, pain exists. But we are comforted that Jesus suffered for us. We're reminded that loss exists, but our Heavenly Father has lost too. Remember, he, he gave his one and only Son. Some, sometimes we forget Our Heavenly Father knows what it's like to lose a child. In fact, he knows what it means to have wayward children. As that passage goes on to say, we all like sheep have gone astray. 
So we are comforted by the fact that whatever it is that you are going through tonight, whatever unique pain and loss you are feeling, the Father can meet us there in that pain, in that suffering, with a firsthand knowledge of what you are going through. He does. He meets you not just with simple pleasantries as so many can only offer, but he meets us with a deep level of empathy, having been there himself. Whatever, and we're comforted by the hope that whatever darkness you are walking in, a great light has shown to each of us. <laughs> the child is born. The son is given. He is the everlasting father. He is the prince of peace. These promises are so true and so comforting and so real to those of us who have tasted this. And though you may walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you know that you are not walking alone. That our good shepherd is with us, who has shown us how deep his love is for us by laying down his own life for the safety of his sheep. That he will never leave us nor forsake us. That he will be with us always, even until the end of the age. And when that end of the age does come, or when it's our turn to go home someday, we have a joy of knowing that we will not go into the great nothing or the great perhaps, or the great I wonder, but we will be in the arms of the great I am. That that's where we are going to. And perhaps one of the most comforting truths is that we will see for ourselves on that day that the preachers were not lying to us when they told us that the separation between us and our loved ones was temporary. That that's no pleasantry, that's no lie. We will find out that day that that separation from our loved ones through the power of the gospel was indeed temporary. (laughs) That we will be reunited with so many of them once again. Having that, that you you know that, that one last embrace that you pine for, that I pine for with so many. You'll get it through the power of the gospel through what Jesus has done for us, through the salvation that he purchased for us through his blood. In that place where there is no more weeping, no more tears, and a place that the darkness we are experiencing now is not worth comparing to the light that awaits us on the other side. This is our comfort tonight, church. This is our hope, and this is our peace on this, the longest night of the year. Which we're reminded that even this night, this dark night that we find ourselves in now, in mere hours, even this night will give way to the glorious light of the morning. And the morning will be so bright that we won't consciously be thinking about how dark tonight was. We'll just be enjoying the light of tomorrow. That is quite a beautiful parallel to the pain we experience tonight as well, isn't it? When we walk in the light of the Lord. So with that being said, uh, I want to close with one final quote. It's one that I've shared in the past, but 
I think it'll resonate with us tonight. It's the familiar poem, God Knows, from Minnie Louise Haskins. It says, I said to the man who stood at the gate and said, Give me a light that I may tread safely into the unknown. And he replied, Go out into the darkness and put your hand into the hand of God, and that shall be to you better than the light and safer than the known way. (laughs) There are many choices with what you and I will have to do with our pain tonight. There are so many who will choose to hide it, to bury it, to choose that, to decide, oh, we're not feeling it, to pretend that we're not feeling it, or that it, or marginalize it, pretend it's not as bad as it really is, or get angry, or lash out, self-medicate, whatever it is, the list goes on. I encourage you to do better tonight. Rather, place your hand into the hand of God. Walk closely with him, and that will be for you better safer, more comforting, and truly healing in a way that perhaps we've never experienced before, better than anything else we have experienced this side of eternity. If we would only take ourselves, our pain, our loss, our grief, our trauma, whatever it is, place it into the hand of God and let him lead us beside those still waters. Thanks be to God. Amen.